Hello, welcome to Creating Portland. I'm your host, Pearson Coons, and on this podcast, I'll be interviewing progressive creators who are using their art to shape the culture of our city and beyond. I hope you enjoy this episode of Creating Portland. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Creating Portland. Thanks for tuning in if it's your first time. And um, yeah, I'm so excited to introduce you to our outstanding guest today. Her name is Nicole Smith, and she is a teaching artist and performer in Portland. She uh, does after-school programs across the city, some residencies in schools, and some workshops in schools. And she also performs as one-fourth of the time-traveling boy band known as the Turnback Boys. And we're going to get into all of that here on the pod, but I am so excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show, Nicole. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Very excited to be here. Um, It's definitely been a while since we've had a chance to talk, so it's good to just connect with people, anyone, anyone out there. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just grasping at straws, shouting into the void every day and <laughs> hoping that there's people on the other side to talk about art, which is so exciting. Yes. So yeah, thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, let's start off with our big, broad question just to kick things off in the right direction. And that is, how are you helping to create Portland? Create Portland. Um, I love that question because it can be answered in a lot of different ways, but I'll, I think I'll focus on my, like my artistic endeavors, right? Artistic endeavors in this city. Um, I'm actually, I'm not a Portland native. I'm one of those stinky Californians that ended up here, but, um, <laughs> but I have uh, been lucky enough to work in Portland for about 10 years now, which is um, kind of by chance. I ended up working at a summer theater camp here uh, years and years ago, and that quickly became home. Um, and then Portland quickly became home and the community just kind of continued to grow around me. Uh, so here we are, I'm kind of stuck now uh, <laughs> here in Portland. But creating Portland has been, I feel like I've more jumped into things that have existed in Portland um, and I've been able to kind of add my spin to it or be a new voice in the room. Um, maybe a lot of places that maybe my voices like mine weren't before. Um, so that's been pretty cool, especially in the last, I'd say, three or four years, working more closely with uh, Portland Public Schools and, uh, well, actually, all all of the public schools and private schools uh, in the Portland area, David Douglas, um, Centennial, what are the other ones, Beaverton, all of those awesome school districts, uh, and being able to kind of get uh, go behind the curtain a little bit of what's happening or what is and is not happening in Portland schools as far as arts education um, specifically theater education and the opportunity to perform and be in plays and um, have fun on stage. So what I was able to do, um, or at least my, one of my goals and intentions in the last few years has uh, been just accessibility for those kinds of programs. Um, I know that was super important to me as a kid. I was, I, I won't say privileged, but definitely blessed to be able to I like I had the support and the opportunities to take theater classes and be in plays and Mm -hmm. discover that I really, really liked this thing um, and figure out what my role was in like all of these different parts of theater. Um, So I I think when I think of myself creating Portland, um, I'm not doing a lot of the creating, 
but I hope that the work I'm doing is giving kids and students and teachers these to create. Um, that That's really the intention behind a lot of my work. Uh, on the other hand, uh, in my free time, I do have the Turnback Boys, and that is definitely a passion project that um, fills any, you know, anytime I'm not working, working, I am definitely putting in some time in that project. Um, what's really cool about the Turnback Boys is, again, this is something that existed before I was a face in Portland, um, but I got to jump into this really cool queer project um, and collaborate with these other really cool queer artists. And um, like I said, kind of put my put my stamp on things, put my spin on things, um, grow the project. And uh, that's been that's been my most like creative aspect of working in Portland so far. Um, yeah. Anything I nice. Want? Okay. Yeah. What a <laughs> range of stuff. We're all over the place there, which we love. Um, well, let's start with the the work you do in the schools. Can you just paint us a little bit of a picture of what that would look like when you're showing up to a school? What are you offering? How are you engaging with students? What is this sort of creation looking like? Definitely. Um, I'm also a little sorry. I'm. <laughs> My dog is trying to get in the camera right now. <laughs> She's very determined. Let him in. Let him say hi. <laughs> you can totally say hi. She's very engaged with the peanut butter Kong right now. So mm. um, that's that's kind of the distraction right now. She'll be maybe she'll say hi in a little bit. Um, so yes, <laughs> my work in schools. Um, most of the the time that I'm in schools, I'm doing uh, after school programs. It's usually when our outreach programs are offered um, as in-school programs, as after-school programs, as workshops, as residencies, whatever the school needs. But I, I have found that a lot of schools need after-school enrichment. Uh, and so that's a really great opportunity for us as teaching artists to get in and work with kids and, um, you know, get to see the same kids week after week, which is is nice and not always true for the work that I do in schools. Sometimes it's a one and done or a workshop here and there. I don't really get to connect with the kids afterwards. So uh, the after-school programs are a big part of what we do, um, or at least what I do when I'm in schools. Um, that looks like uh, my favorite thing. <laughs> that looks like being the fun, you know, special teacher that comes once a week and for an hour, our rules are a little different and our community feels different and the mm -hmm. space is, you know, whatever we need to do to make that hour we have together feel magical. Um, and that's really cool for me because I don't necessarily have to do, I mean, there's still discipline and behavior management and classroom management for sure, for sure. Um, we all <laughs> need to be safe with our bodies and not hit our friends and all of that. Um, but we, it, it's kind of, it's an opportunity that I know they're coming for an hour and we're gonna do something different than we've done all day long. Um, we're gonna be up on our feet. We're gonna be doing funny voices and funny characters there's no telling what, you know, Miss Smith, like what sounds I'm going to make at any given point during the class there. Um, <laughs> just, it's just a, a fun, fun for everybody. I like to play. So that's what's fun for me. Um, and then in other cases, I might be working directly with a teacher to kind of integrate theater lessons or theater skills or techniques into a, um, their curriculum. So maybe we're doing a history unit and we're gonna work on some like little mini monologues from historical figures from that time period so that they can jump into their oh, shoes nice. 
and do something as a performance, we're still kind of um, looking at our history and looking at those historical figures. Um, maybe it's science. It's always a challenge to find, try to figure out how to make our um, our STEM classes more performative or, or more performance-based or interactive. Um, but hey, we'll get up and we'll all pretend to be planets and we'll decide like, what, you know, what does, depending on how we describe Jupiter, what would Jupiter's voice sound like? Um, how would Jupiter walk? You know, we can get kind of goofy with it. And, and um, that's also, again, I keep saying my favorite thing, but my other favorite thing is working with teachers <laughs> and looking at something that's, you know, just on paper and saying, how can we make this an interactive um, activity that your students are going to really, you know, hold on to the, the information. Um, yeah. Right. And that's something I, I mean, I think of myself as a student and so much of the content we were getting was so unemotional and so disconnected from anything in my reality. Yeah. So tying it into something I can connect with that I can embody something I can engage with physically is so such a great idea. Yeah. And there's so many different types of learners out there. Obviously, not every kid will be super into, you know, running around and making funny voices in order to get your multiplication tables down. I don't know. It might not work for every kid, but I do. I just, mm -hmm. I remember a lot of the, the lessons and the things, um, you know, topics in school that I recall or just even really specific facts. Um, sometimes it's because someone sang it to me or we did a play about it yeah. or we, um, you know, I wrote a story about it with characters and here comes Casey. <laughs> um, so yeah, I remember that being really important to me as a student. And so I try to create those moments as much as I can when I'm working in schools. Yeah, and it's fascinating to me, I think what you described earlier, where you're saying you're not necessarily the one creating, but you're hoping that these students you're working with are going on to create things yeah. and are going on to contribute to the creation of Portland. But I think that sort of narrative is part of the reason we undervalue teachers and undervalue the work you're doing. And I mean, I'm a teacher myself, and um, it's so hard when we're in it to feel like that impact is happening, that creation is yeah. happening in that moment, and we can't see that long-term um, effect or benefit. So can you sort of speak to your intentionality in those moments, yeah. even if you're not seeing where the creation's going? I mean, that's totally true, and I know you feel it, we all kind of feel it, especially as a, like, specialist teacher, um, mm. or, you know, sometimes I will see students for a semester at a time, uh, and then I don't really ever see them again. You know, maybe they're not in the after school program anymore. Maybe I'm working at a different school. Uh, so yeah, I don't often get to see where these students take, you know, whatever fun activities or projects or performances we did, but it is, it, it's always a joy to see what we create, you know, in just in that small hour, whether, you know, it's not something that might last a very long time. It might not even be performed in front of an audience, but it's still creation. Um, I, I guess the impact is more, like I was saying, the impact is more, is, is it sticking with the kids and, um, is this going to give them some, some kind of support either as performers or as learners, or just in having fun after school um, for an hour, because you need that every now and then, um, mm -hmm. that feel, you know, that still feels really purposeful for me. So even though I'm not the, the creator all the time supporting that, creation, no matter how small it may be, um, it is significant. I think it's significant in the long run um, and definitely important to me. 
Um, I have, I guess, a few students now. Like, I finally reached an age where, like, I have students who have gone off to college or, you know, gotten mm-hmm. their dream job or um, just made me proud in some other way that I want to boast about them and brag about them. Um, and that definitely is, it is a nice to see kind of the tangible creations coming, mm. f- coming from my own work. Um, and I don't even like to take that much credit for it, but just seeing that, knowing and, and hoping that I had some kind of impact and where it is great. Dealing with not being able to see that all the time can be a challenge. Um, I really, I definitely get students that I'm connected to and I maybe haven't seen them in years and I still think about them like, oh, that kid was so funny. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. what they're doing now or if they're still doing that thing that I told them not to do or the thing I told them to do. <laughs> I wonder if they're doing that crazy thing. Um, <laughs> and it, it's, I don't know. I, I don't know how I deal with that. Maybe that's something I need to think about. Um, but I think it's because I, I try to get so much out of those immediate um, interactions and not necessarily the impact it might have down the road. I, like I said, I am that special teacher that gets one hour a week in this very like special sacred space. And mm-hmm. it really might not, that magic might not exist in other parts of the day or other parts of their life. I hope that those little moments are proof to them that those moments exist and so that they keep seeking mm. them out. Um, right, They're just encountering it at least yeah. once, they'll continue to seek out safe, creative, loving, fun spaces um, to, be, to be themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's see, I mean, it, I can see how on the outside it feels small or like less impactful, but then when you're in those spaces and you know those kids, it's so clear how radical yeah. having a space like that in a chaotic, terrible, often terrible world like this is. Yeah. And I think it's sort of interesting too, it's bringing up this existential question for me, for artists is like, what if the art we're making, we never even get to see the product of? It's sort of exciting in a way to think that we're creating something that we may not even have. Yeah. Well, access to the final product or we're part of that collaboration. So that, no, that gives me chills to think yeah. about. It's definitely, it's something you think about as an artist. I think it's something that even rings true as an activist or as a, mm. just, um, just as someone who's like, kind of trying to work to make things better. Uh, it doesn't always feel right. like I'm going to see the better. Um, and I look right. at a lot of creators and activists before me who, you know, I would consider elders now and people I look to for, for advice. And I can also see that they're wondering when they're going to see the fruits of their labor. Um, yeah. And I think, again, it's kind of that same mindset that it's not necessarily about the, the, the arrival or uh, getting to a certain point, but building towards it and making sure that, I don't know, that we're just supporting, especially the next generation. Goodness, they're fired up. Like I, yes, I don't even know how to keep up with, with this generation. We are not ready. (laughs) We are not ready for them to become adults, y'all. It's going to get wild. And I'm so excited because I, I know. I know. Please, please, carry this banner. Um, Absolutely, but it's it's great and inspiring, and it is something to remember that again, Mm. as 
for me as, as an artist, or at least as a teaching artist, I don't get to always see the finished product. And as an activist, I'm not always guaranteed to see things into fruition. They, I'm just building on things, building on what I see and right. trying to make it better. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay. I know. Well, let's, go. Like, let's zoom out a little bit. I know we got so deep there for a second. Oh, oh I gotta shake it off a little bit. Um, <laughs> um, no, I love it. So let's zoom out a little bit then from your personal work, your personal experience, and let's talk about Portland as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's so interesting for me to have people on here that are not necessarily from here originally to get your perspective on what is your what are you seeing in the Portland art scene that's working and what are you seeing that we could maybe improve on? Yeah. Um, it's hard. This year is just hard in general to kind of look at what's working and not working. Cause we're just trying to make anything work. Um, right. But in general, just my experience in Portland, like most um, or like a lot of folks of color has been trying to find spaces that represent me. Uh, and that's, you know, it's been a challenge since I moved here. I definitely like will hang out in certain, no, that's not true. I was gonna say like hang out in certain parts of Portland, hoping to see black people. Um, but mm-hmm. like, there are definitely certain neighborhoods or like community spaces or, um, artist spaces that I know for sure. I'm not going to be the only person who looks like me there. Um, mm. so, and, and the truth is you have to like seek out those places they don't necessarily fall into your lap um in the city so i that's been my experience um that's not to say it's not there um there are a lot of really cool i would say artists um you know folks of color who are either have their own projects going or own theater companies um or we really, what's really cool now is seeing some folks of color in uh, roles of kind of those upper management roles in theaters, uh, which is gonna make a big difference in representation, hopefully down the line. Again, it right. kind of feels like a thing of like a step towards a step towards a step, but yeah, it's good news. Um, but yeah, so Portland, I don't know, Portland in general, I mean, it's been good to me. Um, the connections I've made with folks has been, um, like everyone, everyone's pretty, uh, I might be giving too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> we, it is definitely a community that wants to see artists succeed, um, and wants mm. to see arts succeed. Um, there's not a lot of like animosity or, you know, different companies or organizations trying to one up the other. Um, I think it is pretty genuinely a community that likes to see growth and um, mourns when we, you know, someone goes bankrupt or has to go out of business or, you know, there's something happening in the community that we are not proud of. Um, I think it's, there's a good kind of moral compass in the theater community as a whole in Portland. Um, That's not to say, uh, like Portland in general, great intentions, great mindset, um, we're still working on the implementation, implementation, implement, implement, implementation, <laughs> yes. implementation. Uh, we're still working on the implementation of the grand ideas right. for diversity and inclusivity that we have. Um, the conversations are happening and they definitely have increased this year um, with 
you know, just everything that's going on with Black Lives and um, mm -hmm. kind of bringing that to the forefront, especially in theater communities that are often patting themselves on the back for being so open-minded and loving and caring. Right. I think there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, like I said, I'm happy. I'm, I think I'm someone who has a little more patience for the work to be done. And so I'm, it's like my pleasure to be in the room and have these conversations with other artists, with um, organizations that are trying to figure out how do we fix this systemic problem? You know, it's here, it's built into our, our habits and our mm -hmm. culture. Um, how do we really fix it? So I'm enjoying being part of those conversations. I also, like I said, enjoy that I can find spaces where I'm not the, you know, token black gal, uh, you know, trying to mm -hmm. trying to explain something to a room full of people with good intentions, but you know, uh, it's kind of the just kind of the mo of Portland in general, and I do see it it playing out in the community of artists as well. Um, good intentions, great conversations. We need a little a little more action. Right, right. Yeah, we love, love to talk about mm -hmm. things. But when it actually comes to making the sacrifice and making the the sort of hard decisions that it requires, it seems like we're very timid. And I mean, we had conversations too about the scene in general, the theater scene and how it's not taking risks, even artistically. And I think they're they're tied together, right? We're not taking risks in who we're involving, what perspectives we're including. And then at the same time, we're seeing that we're not taking risks artistically in the shows we're producing and in how they're being produced. So I think it's all connected. And I think there's the whole the whole culture is to benefit, right? From having these additional voices yeah. and actually executing real equity yeah, work yeah. that we can see the results of. And it's happening. There's some great examples of it. I, um, I'm super proud of working with Northwest Children's Theater. I think they're one of those theater companies out there um, continuing to kind of push to make arts accessible, um, to make the theater accessible, uh, even during COVID times, doing a lot of online productions. Um, they like hand delivered activity packets to go along with a video production of Susical yes. so like kids could have their at home fun activity packet, you know, go to the watch show and say hi to the cast and the characters and watch the show. Um, you know, still not the same as like going to the theater, but as, as much as we can bring mm -hmm. in the theater to kids. Um, and also I, I really appreciate that they're an organization, like we talk a lot and we, we have these great conversations. Um, and I think there's a good amount of action behind it. Um, I really appreciate this like years long collaboration they've had uh, with uh, Anita, which is great because they do these um, plays inspired by and just completely designed around and, and featuring uh, South Indian dance and culture and costumes mm. and dress. It's like every single show that they collaborate with, collaborate on is just the most beautiful. <laughs> it's the most beautiful thing. Um, and it's mm -hmm. sure it's, it's risky. Maybe you're not always going to have an audience for, um, you know, an Indian interpretation of A Midsummer Night's Dream um, or an Indian interpretation of, uh, what else have we done? Jungle Book, I guess that's not really an interpretation that it's a story, that, a story <laughs> that comes from India. Um, so- <laughs> It definitely needs a reinterpretation yes. from an Indian perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and, and, off, and, you know, putting it back in the hands of the folks who should be telling the story and, right. and playing our characters and, and doing these dances 
Um, and on top of that, you have kids who are not Indian who are participating and seeing and learning and um, being exposed to this. So it's just kind of a, a normal thing to see Indian culture in your life instead of um, this like special thing that only happens at a international festival or something. Um, yes. Yeah. So lots of respect to NWCT. I have a lot of respect for them as an organization um, for kind of putting put, putting a lot of action behind their words and um, and doing it, taking the risk. Doing it. Yeah. And so, well, that sort of gets into it, but what what is your hope sort of bigger picture? We have this example of Northwest Children's Theater, but what's your hope bigger picture for Portland art? Uh, just continued representation. We need, like I said, the artists are out there, folks of color, queer artists, we're, we're out here. Um, I It brings me a lot of joy to work in classrooms because I hope that there are kids who see me and, um, possibly relate, or maybe they see me as someone completely different and it still is inspiring that someone completely different from them can stand up in front of the room or be on stage or just be a happy, successful adult. Um, sometimes that's just the best example we can give our, right. our youngins. <laughs> you will survive. Um, I totally lost my train of thought, but yeah, being an inspiration to them. Oh, and uh, representation. So just continuing to yes. put power and into the hands of the people who haven't had it before um let us let people direct let us uh you know manage let us be in charge let us make decisions about how these organizations are going to be run um not just as like like here's the board and here's the one voice that represents this issue but right actual representation in people in those roles um in those leadership roles uh, and then, of course, on stage as well. It, when you see someone who looks like you on stage, it means a lot. Um, I don't think I had a lot of that growing up. It really has been in the last maybe five years, you know, maybe a decade of my life that I've seen artists and performers who look like me and act like me and express themselves in a way <laughs> that I can relate to. Um, so hopefully me kind of existing <laughs> as an artist in Portland is working towards that becoming more normalized. Um, but again, the work's still there and I'd, I'd love to see more people who look like me and don't look like me uh, in leadership positions throughout arts organizations in Portland. Mm, I would love to see that too. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. I don't know if it'll lead to growth, but it'll definitely lead to change. So, and that's yeah. something I'm into. I, and I imagine it's only gonna boost our creativity and our ability to create awesome art if we have more voices in the room. Absolutely. Well, uh, it's been such an inspiration having you on. And I just, I so appreciate how you represent the connection between arts and education. And I think there is just so much sort of stigma or hierarchy around educational artistry and like professional artistry. And I just love that we are blending that together and just like empowering the importance of education. And even though we're not necessarily seeing the results all the time, we know that down the line, this artwork is so, so important. So thank you for doing all you're doing for the arts and for the kids. Yes. Hey, and everyone's got to play. Let's be real. I'm just, I like to play. Right. So if you want to ever just have an improv game or something, call me up. <sighs> 
Yes, always. <laughs> um, well, where can people find you online, Nicole? Yeah. Where can we get in contact with you? Um, well, the best place to see me as a performer would be turnbackboyswithaz.com. Um, mm. We're really excited because we're working on an album right now. We're back in the recording studio. I uh, had to take a little bit of a COVID pause to make sure we we're doing it as safe as possible. Nice. But we are working with an awesome producer and um, just trying to keep the momentum going, keep creating, getting some music videos out. So definitely check us out online. Keep posted. Uh, we'll keep you updated with what we're creating. Um, and then I would also encourage folks to go to Northwest Children's Theater's website, nwcts.org. Um, if you have kids who uh, love theater or haven't experienced it yet or just need something fun to do, we still offer classes, um, still have performances um, for ages, you know, preschool all the way to high school. So there's a little bit of something for everybody if you want to check it out. Nice. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Um, yeah. And check us out on the internet as well and we'll see you back next time at creating pdx thanks y'all thank you so much for tuning into this episode of creating portland with me pearson coons don't forget to rate review and subscribe and check us out on facebook instagram and twitter at creating pdx or on our website creatingpdx.com this podcast was brought to you by Wolf and Thunder Productions and Golden Pride Productions. See you next time. Bye.